I was trying to think of a good way to start this, and I, I don't know that there is one, uh, to be perfectly honest. As I was using that 30-second countdown, I was really trying. Uh, there's no there's no way of, of really kicking this one off in a positive way, uh, other than to just welcome everybody back for another post-game live here at Emerald City Hockey. Thank you all for joining us, especially after this game. <laughs> I mean, this was... This was rough. I know we had talked about it last time, right? Oilers were struggling. They We knew, knew they were struggling. We knew what was going on with them. And yes, there was kind of the two different camps of one, like kind of excited by that. Like, hey, this this could be a winnable game. The Kraken could do this. And then the other camp of, you know, let's not poke the bear. They still got McDavid. They still got Dreisaitl. They still got a lot of dangerous players on this team. I still... I was in that second camp of like, you know, look, this this other team, they're up against the wall. Like they something bad could happen here, right? Like it's it might be a tough battle. I didn't think it would be this. I did not think that it would be four goals in the first period, uh, nine shots on goal through two periods for the Kraken. Like I my most pessimistic dreams, I didn't think that this would have been the game that we were gonna see. Um, but it is unfortunately the game that we got. Uh, I, yeah, I, this one, this one was definitely rough. Um, I see the, uh, the super chat there light. I will get to that in a moment. I'm going to promote flat stick real quick. And then I have something else I want to say before I get into the comment section here really quick, but I, I'm, I see the, the super chat and thank you for it light. Um, I will say this as, as my segue into, uh, Flatstick Pub being the sponsor of these post-game lives. I will say this. If you were at Flatstick Pub tonight, okay, uh, one of their six awesome locations around Washington, and you took a drink for every shot on goal the Kraken had through the first 40 minutes of this game, I don't know that you'd even be buzzed. And that's, <laughs> that's saying a lot. And <laughs> Like, that's rough. It was... It was really, really rough, but it is awesome that we do have Flatstick supporting us, sponsoring these post-game lives. Again, if you were if you were at that game tonight, want to head up to that South Lake Union location, get a dollar off a of beer. I don't think anybody would blame you in the slightest for doing so after this one. Uh, so shout out again to Flatstick for that. The other thing I wanted to say before I get to light super chat here, uh, real quick, is just you know, happy Veterans Day to everybody. I know within our community, the ECH community, within the Kraken community uh, as a whole, so many incredible people in it, and especially all the veterans. They, they're just so awesome. It's been great to get to know everybody. I believe this is the third straight year. I believe every single season the Kraken have played on Veterans Day, and I think that that's really special, but I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge all of you who are veterans. I know how many of you there are within our community who are a part of these post-game lives. Um, and just thank you for everything that you've done. I love it, love it, love it, and love all of you. All right, so Light with the Super Chat. Thanks for being patient. Wish they came out to start the way they played in the third. Shane and Winterson, Winterton deserve elevated ice time. So, yeah, I mean, the Kraken finally played desperate in, in the third period is what we saw, right? We saw the Kraken with their backs against the wall. And what's annoying to me about this game is, you know, again, whether you were in the two camps that I talked about, whichever camp you were in heading into this game, whether or not you thought the Oilers were, you know, kind of down and out and we could take advantage of that, or you were, you know, a little bit more nervous about that fact, you acknowledged that the Oilers were a team that was really struggling. And they were a team that was desperate. 
right? I said they were back, you know, backs up against the wall. They were backed into a corner, whatever it is you want to say. The Oilers were a team that you knew, all of us knew collectively. We all could agree on the one fact that the Oilers were going to be desperate coming into this game because they needed a win. They desperately needed a win. For the Kraken then to walk into this game and not try to match that intensity, effort level, seriousness, energy level, any of it is mind-boggling to me. How as a team are you not ready to face a team that is as desperate and dire as the Edmonton Oilers? And what we saw tonight from the Kraken was not a team ready to match that intensity, and it showed in the first 40 minutes of this game. And then by the time the Kraken were able to get there, it was just too late. And that to me is, is something that is, that's the most concerning aspect of this entire experience for me, is just the fact that the Kraken were not able to match that intensity. They were not able to enter this game knowing who they were playing against and what their situation was and know that, hey, we got to get up for this game because otherwise this team, they could run right over us because they're, they're going to try to do that. They need to do that. Right. They're playing for for jobs right now. This Edmonton Oilers team. Right. They are tied with the San Jose Sharks in the standings right now. OK. And for the Kraken to not match that, to not come out and do that, that's frustrating. But I will give it to you. Like, you are right. They came out that way in the third. And yes, Shane and Winterton, they both had really rock solid games again let me see what kind of ice time they did end up with because they should have gotten some once the game's a little more out of touch you can kind of give them them yeah ryan winterton able to get to 10 and a half minutes or just about shane wright with 10 minutes 100 on faceoffs from shane and they were having shane take some big moment faceoffs too both in the offensive and defensive zone so again showing how shane wright's grown and also him using his body he's so strong i'm telling you guys he's built he is strong he's 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 a good player. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm glad he's getting to show it now. Light with a second super chat. Thank you very much, Light. As a positive note, you'd think Holloway would have learned his lesson last season with Vince Lull. No, I mean, he was, he, maybe he thought he needed to come back and, and defend his, his honor a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's clear him and the Dundertaker have some beef going on. And uh, Vince Dunn. <laughs> I mean, he let it be known. He he was not going to lose that one at all, right? Like that is, that was intense uh, from Vince Dunn. But that's the kind of intensity that I wish the Kraken had in the first period, right? After the first goal is scored, you have that intensity. After the second goal is scored, maybe have that intensity. Don't wait until the third period to have that like intensity and be that mad, right? Be that mad. That's fine. Go out there, punish them. Don't let them walk in and score four in the opening frame. That's that's kind of what I wanted to see. Uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, Vince Dunn handled him. You are right, Light Schultz of the super chat. Thank you very much. Did the Kraken genuinely think Oilers were a bottom two team because it looked like they came out expecting the Oilers to roll over? Not entirely on Gru. I'm with you. I I think this was not on Gru really at all. What's fascinating, because I've already talked about the intensity thing. I already went on my spiel there, so I kind of jumped the gun there. But I will say this. The Oilers were a team, their defensive system, right, was as bad as advertised in this one. Absolutely. I was shocked. The passing lanes that were open, we saw that with the Kraken being able to kind of do tic-tac-toe plays uh, throughout this one. That's not something the Kraken usually do or, or, or are able to do. Um, the, so the Oilers system was this bad. And what I really noticed about it was it can't feed their transition at all. Like just the way it is, by the time they get the puck, everybody's had to collapse in defensively to kind of cover for all the weak spots. 
they have no ability to really get up the ice quickly based on their system. However, this is one of those like, you know, a movable force hits a breakable object types of situations. The Kraken are kind of have kind of been so bad at defending transitions that the Oilers were able to get transitions. And that's how you get like, you know, you look at that first goal from Hyman and how he was able to come in and score on that. Uh, you look at what they were able to do. They were able to generate momentum, odd man rushes in a way that I don't think the Oilers have been able to do this season because their defensive system doesn't allow them to break out in that way. And so it was just kind of, you know, this is something the Kraken have struggled with all season. They've been really bad with breakaways and especially the odd man rushes. And it was just one of those times where I think it just provided just enough daylight for this Oilers team to kind of play the way that, you know, their skilled players want to be playing. And that I thought was interesting. And that I think it should be the biggest takeaway of the coaching staff from this one was not only do you need to find a way to motivate your team better, because that was evident need to find a way to really put to bed this whole being vulnerable to other teams transitions because if you can feed the Oilers transition right now your feet you you really need to take you know a, a long look at that and and try to address it if you can Jessica with the super chat thank you very much nine shots on goal through the first two periods you're not beating any team doing that glad Dunner stepped up to Holloway though uh we talked about Undertaker a little while ago it's true though not like this is something again another thing the Kraken have struggled with this year has been not being able to get momentum going after the first period now usually their first periods are really strong that's their strongest period uh this season however tonight it really wasn't and then when you needed you know, you think, well, OK, maybe they're caught by surprise, whatever it was, they can come out stronger in the next frame. And then they come out and they get what it was uh, four shots on goal in the second after five in the first. Right. That's it. Something needs to change here. Right. You can't keep doing this. If you want to be a playoff team, you can't keep doing this. Right. And, and they need to figure that out. They need somebody who can light a fire here. I, I'm I'm really starting to doubt that they have that player on the roster. This is a conversation that pops up at different points every season, all three seasons. I remember having this conversation on these post-game lives with you all about do they have that guy in the locker room who can light the fire? And I think at this point it's also pretty clear that you know Hackstall's not gonna be that guy either as head coach. It's just not his style. He takes the the approach at least publicly from what we can see and even that includes us even on the media side of things what we can see from him is he takes the tact of like you know the disappointed parent right him not saying anything says more than if he had said something right and he's just going to be you know upset and you know he's upset but he's not going to call you out kind of guy right that's like his motivation when some when the game like this happens um i just don't know that that works for this team I think that works for some teams. I just don't think it works for this team because they don't have somebody who can fire them up internally either. I think that's a real problem. I know you mentioned you mentioned Vince Dunn, Jessica. Again, it was like a too little, too late type moment, right? If you're going to do something like that, why wasn't that after it was 2 nothing and your team needed a boost? Something has to change for them. They need to find some way of getting their energy level, getting their intensity up mid-game or between periods and they just don't seem to have that right now. And they haven't really had it all year. Even in their good games, they haven't had that. So it's, it's again, it's there's quite a few things they need to address actually coming out of this one. Um, Gary with the Super Chat. Thank you, Gary. Uh, 
when we lost bad to the Oilers last season, we went on an eight-game road trip. Does history repeat itself? Also, Edmonton back check tonight was insane. It meant eight-game win streak. I see that down there. Um, I I would love for that to be the case. I would love to rip off an eight-game win streak now. I think, you know, again, if the Kraken address some of this stuff, if they use this game and somebody gets pissed off in the locker room and fires everybody up and they can carry that intensity and the disappointment and all of that stuff forward, it's possible. Teams do this. They did it last year with largely this exact same group of guys. So I I, I totally want to believe that that's possible. I do think that that's possible. Only time will tell if it happens. That's that's where things get a little different. Um, right now, I, I feel like they need a little bit. If I was seeing more of that intensity, I would I would be more on board with it than I am right now. I mean, even just the one I've only been to one Hackstall press conference this year and I walked away thinking to myself and I didn't say anything after that Arizona game, but I walked away thinking I want I wanted Hackstall to have more fire after that. Right. Like, you know, it's a game that that the Kraken could have won in regulation and then they don't. And then it goes to a shootout and you lose in the shootout. And I wanted Hackstall when I was standing there. I wanted to see a little bit more from him as far as just being upset by that and, and, you know, being mad about it. Right. And I didn't see it. And I, and I was like, okay, but maybe that's just this, maybe it's not the right time. You're starting a road trip, whatever. So I didn't say anything that night in Arizona, but this game really brought that back up for me where it was like, you know what? I want Hextall to get mad. I want him to get fiery. And I want guy, the leadership group of this team. you got a bunch of guys wearing A's on their chest. I want some of them to get mad. I want some of them to to raise the intensity level for this team overall because I really think that they need it. Um, to your to your second point there, uh, Gary as well. Yeah, Edmonton. They again they had that intensity level. That's how you get Leon Drysidel back checking hard and stick lifting at the exact right moment. Right. That's how you get Connor McDavid playing his two way game. They, they had that intensity level and, and the Kraken were just not ready for it. Schultz with the super chat. Thank you very much. Trade for Zadorov, bring in an enforcer. Look, I think he would be a good trade. I think Chris Tanev would be a better trade just as far as how he plays and maybe what the Kraken need, especially when you're thinking about, okay, they run into issues with guys maybe pinching up too much or the fact that they activate their defensemen. You really need someone who's going to be able to kind of slow things down or dictate things in the defensive zone to help offset that. I think Tanev is probably a better option there um, than Zadorov, but Zadorov would be a big guy. He would be a physical guy. He'd be someone who's going to go in. He'd certainly be somebody who would step up whenever somebody's targeting, say Jared McCann. Uh, that is something that he would do. So um, I'm, it's it's possible. I think if Ron Francis at some point, if things keep going this way, Ron Francis will have to make a decision of if you are really trying to go for it, you're going to have to make a move and you you can't wait until the beginning of March at the deadline to do so. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they'll they'll kind of do what Edmonton did, where Edmonton was going to use this road trip to evaluate all the things on their end to know whether or not they needed to be making a move or if they needed to stand pat, if they needed to fire their coach or, or do something else. I think what we will see is this next stretch of time, this next week long period for the Kraken. They're probably going to really be looking at things internally themselves and then kind of come, you know, to, to some sort of conclusion about that. Um, 
Uh, and I don't mean to say Hackstall like the way Woodcroft is in Edmonton, but as far as like, hey, if you're going to make a move, now is probably the time to go ahead and do it. You probably can't wait to do so. Light with another super chat. Thank you very much, Light. Really appreciate this. Um, I think the Kraken this year are going to be like this. A 500 team in part due to inconsistency in guys not named Schwartz, Dunn, McCann, uh, McCann or Bjorky. I think they have a lot more potential with some Coachella Valley grads. I mean, I think we are seeing. I I think we are seeing that with uh with Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton. Uh, I think there's an element of young guys needing to prove themselves, wanting to prove themselves, wanting to establish themselves, having this that little bit more energy, hunger, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, and how transformative that's looked just in these two games for that fourth line. I think that's made a big, big difference. And I think that's another thing that the crack could need to kind of look at. Right, Belmar gets healthy. Okay. But Shane Wright's really adding a lot and he's winning faceoffs and he looks pretty good. Like maybe, you know, maybe we keep him around and uh, you know what I mean? And you keep him in games, you keep him engaged with this club. Um, I, I think Ryan Winterton ultimately is probably going to go down. I don't see them playing him nine plus games, burning a year of his contract kind of thing. But, you know, just having him around, having bringing up, you know, different guys from Coachella Valley, I think you are onto something that might be a solution if you're not going to go out and make a trade that is another solution that you have available to you as far as tweaking the roster, sending a message to the core, sending a message to the young guys too, that, Hey, look, this is achievable. You play well, you're going to end up there, right? We'll get you in games. I think that's a big motivator for, for the young guys, both in Seattle and especially down in Coachella Valley. So um, yeah, I, I think you are onto something as for them being a 500 team the rest of the year. I think you might be right. This team it's, it's very much, I mean, it was a little two step forward, one step back. Now it feels like one step forward, one step back. That's something they got to figure out. Like I said, they, there's, there's, we know what needs to be addressed. We've talked about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. All the different things that need to be addressed. It's, it's just time for them to kind of, you know, put up or shut up when it comes to fixing those problems. Or just get really, really good. Go on a PDO bender or something insane that's not really sustainable, but you bank enough points that it won't matter and you'll make the playoffs anyway. That works too, right? Like we, Vancouver's doing that right now. It's working out pretty well for them. So we could, we could probably, we could maybe do that. Let's, why not? Um, all right. So I'm going to jump back up in, uh, in the comment section here. I know I was, I was doing a lot of talking, not so much reading the comments this one. Um, but I, I had some serious thoughts about this that I wanted to get out there for this game. I'll hop back over into the comment section here. Um, Stratic, if there's something about Edmonton, you'd think the team would have figured it out by now. Maybe they did by keeping 97 and 29 quiet. I mean, there is, there is something to that, right? McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't the guys lighting us up tonight. You know, you, you took care of business in that regard. I got to think that that is still, whenever you're playing the Oilers, the thing you focus on the most as a team of how do we deal with these two? The, the Kraken found a way to deal with them. The problem is, I, like I said, I don't think they found a way to deal with their own issues as far as giving up odd man rushes. They didn't figure out, you know, the PK wasn't perfect tonight, right? You allow a goal there and it kind of helped contribute to the snowballing momentum going against you, right? That's something they've been needing to figure out and they didn't in this one. And then, like I said, just the overall awareness of where Edmonton's at and the intensity level you have to have to match that uh, was not there. Um, Jake might've worked out better if the team that showed up in the third was on the ice for the first two periods. Again, that was the, that was the intensity they needed from the start. Like they, you have it, 
you're capable of it. Just do it. I know, I know we're not the ones playing 60 minutes in the National Hockey League, putting our bodies on the line with the conditioning to try to do that and all that stuff, right? I, I do. I absolutely understand that. But it is one of those things of that's what it takes to win. And I think everybody could agree with that, right? Players could agree with that. And uh, Kraken just didn't have it tonight. Christian, this year, the Kraken are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Very good. Friggin' in the, the movie line there. Yeah, it's it's true. Unfortunately, I wish this team was a little bit more um, predictable. I really do. Uh, wow. It's it's it is definitely tough, tough. Um, Zach Hyman should be a crack and he clearly loves playing at CPA so much. That's true. I, you know, there we go. Um, how's Dylan going to make a putt putt pun here? I'm truly curious from Coop. I, I didn't quite go that direction this time. I, I went the other way, but yeah. Oh man, Edward. I can't believe I'm missing the days of blowing a two goal lead. Oh no. I'm with you though. I'm with you though, Edward. I totally feel you. Oh man. Uh, uh Zoe, how many penalty minutes will Dunn have by the end of the year? 400. <laughs> I look, if he's going to be the guy to do this, it's entirely possible. Um, what was this Dunn's third fight so far this season? It was. Yeah, I think so. I mean, second two games. That's, that's a lot, right? Uh, Pablo, my mom said, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't see anything at all. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Good to good to good to talk with you uh, while we could, Bob. <laughs> tonight, um, Schwartz continues to be a bright spot. Love his getting to really play uh, his game this season. It's true. Uh, you bring up a good point there, Jake. Schwartz wasn't able to necessarily do that last year. We we know about the struggles he had uh, with whatever his condition exactly was. We never totally figured that out. Um, it is This is why he was brought in. This is why Ron Francis targeted him that first ever offseason was to bring him in. He knew that, you know, look, you need net front players to win in this league. You just do. You need net front players on power plays, which you do. And so Jaden Schwartz being able to play his game, like you said, Jake, is really important. We are seeing the value that he can bring to a team, the value he had in St. Louis, all that good stuff. Um, I'm definitely really, really happy for him. Uh, it is it is best. It is definitely great to see that. Stratic Oilers looked nervous and disconnected all the way until the first goal. In hindsight, the Kraken did an inadequate job exploiting that. Agreed, right? The the defensive system for the Oilers, like I said, it was as bad as advertised. There are gaps everywhere. You can pass pretty much in tight. You could pass into the slot pretty open, which, I mean, you can't do that in the National Hockey League normally, but you could against this team. And it just felt like the Kraken weren't in a place to, to take advantage of that. They weren't thinking in a way of like, hey, let's be a, like a dynamic passing, you know, offense here let's set up a little triangle even right and get something going it was just kind of like the kraken weren't prepared for that at all until that third period and then you started seeing it so it, is, it was an interesting situation there but i'm with you they they could have taken advantage of that a lot more than they did maybe if they had that intensity that we keep talking about all right we've got rj a little earlier than i thought we would rj uh just given how this this all went what what does that mean well, uh, it was pretty quick down there in the locker room. I think that's that kind of tells you what that means. Uh, didn't have very long media availabilities. We did get uh, Jaden Schwartz. We did get Vince Dunn. 
and then of course Dave Haxtell, but not a whole lot of profound takeaways. I think there was kind of agreement just that the intensity level, as I guess you guys have kept talking about, and, and the effort just wasn't where it needed to be against an Oilers team that really, I mean, we talked to them this morning, that everyone kind of knew would be hungry, would be looking for a win. I mean, they needed it in the worst way, uh, and they got it. I mean, as as far as you know, specifics, I, I thought Dave Haxtell mentioned as far as what didn't work offensively. He said, we had no speed going into the offensive zone just no speed hitting the blue line. And so you can't really get anything going when that's happening. And then he criticized having three goals against right at the net front. He said, we know this group knows that can't happen uh, when you've got three goals right there in front of your own net. So, I mean, those were kind of the two things he pointed at first, um, but you know, just a lot to be desired in this one. Um, so you mentioned the fact that everybody knew, you know, the Oilers were, were desperate. They were hungry. They needed a win. Um, the big thing that I've been ranting and raving about this whole post game so far, RJ, is we all knew that everybody on the face of this planet who pays attention to this knew that. Why weren't why did the Kraken come out so flat? Why did they not get themselves ready for that? Why didn't they get themselves to match that intensity? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, and, and it's even more baffling kind of being at morning skate today and. When you talk with the players, I mean, that's the number one thing they talked about. We talked with Kyler Yamamoto, and he said, this is a team that's better than their record. They're going to come out really hard. They're going to try very hard because they are desperate for a win. I mean, he knows as well as anybody because he was on that team for the last several years where they've been in times like this, where they know that pressure from the Edmonton market. They know He knows exactly what they're dealing with here. This is something the Kraken should have been ready for, should have been prepared for. And, you know, it's not even like you have the two best players in the world that are just beating you in a way that you kind of throw up your arms and say, Hey, I mean, these are, you know, generational talents doing generational talent type things. McDavid and Dreisaitl were both held without a point tonight. It was Zach Hyman who was beating them. And when Zach Hyman is the guy you know, who's beating you, that tells you, I think that you're not tough enough in those areas of the ice where you need to be tough. You need to be physical. Uh, you know, I look at like his, his first goal with that backhander where you have Dumoulin just kind of sit, sitting there watching, not taking away the stick, not taking away the body. And, you know, some of those rebounds net front too, it's, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, it was, it was a rough one. Um, so I, I was taught, like I said, I've been talking about that a lot tonight. Um, there's that intensity level, it not really being there for a game that you kind of you know, expect it to be there for. Um, I talked about RJ, you know, because this is something that we've talked about multiple times this year, whether it's coming out of the first period and then going into a second period and having very few shots on goal, something else that they did tonight. They have leaders in that room, but it doesn't feel like they have that one fiery guy who's going to step up and just really get everybody going. And I mentioned that Hackstall's not that kind of leader either. That's that's not who he is. That's not kind of who he's ever been. And so when I was talking about this, got this comment from Sean Dylan. Am I reading between the lines that Hack's seat might maybe slightly warm? I don't know that we can go that far, RJ, but like if you're Ron Francis, if you're the Kraken and you're looking at nights like this and the fact that it feels very much that this is like a 500 team, right? Where you have one good night, you have a terrible night. Uh, we've, we've talked about the idea of making trades, all that kind of stuff. I mean, where are you at as far as the group of players and maybe needing to make a change there or the coach? I mean, as far as the group of players, I, I think you might be able to make an argument for that. I mean, look, the two of us have been talking about maybe bringing up someone like a John Hayden. We've been talking about that for a few weeks now. Uh, that's something that, again, you know, he's he's not going to go out there and make a big difference on the scoreboard. 
but he might be able to to fight somebody or to provide that spark or that energy with a big hit that the Kraken just don't have right now. And I think he certainly would have been useful uh, in this one. So you don't have Vince Dunn having to go after Dylan Holloway after that uh, you know major turned minor there. Um, you know, I know Dunn and Holloway have history there too. Uh, he did you know ask him about that after the game, and he you know didn't say a whole lot. Just he said he didn't like the hit uh, from Holloway on Brian Dumoulin, but you know he just said stuff happens. You know. Um, mm-hmm. kind of shrug off, you know, that's, that's hockey, but, uh, still I'd like to see maybe somebody else, you know, take that fight, even though again, credit to Dunn for doing it. I'm not criticizing him there, but, mm-hmm. um, as far as Hackstall, I, I'm not ready to go to that spot yet, just cause I don't think his seat is warm. I really don't, you know, whether, whether I personally think it should be or not, I, I don't think Ron Francis is in the business of kind of rushing to these type of decisions. He's usually very deliberate. He has his plan. And let's not forget, they just gave him a big extension this past offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he definitely has a lot more leash to go. I think things have to get bad and kind of in the ugly territory for us to start having that conversation as opposed to maybe just a 500 team where last game they're coming off maybe the best effort of their whole season. Full 60-minute performance, fantastic game, nothing but good things to say about that one. You know, And then there's tonight. It's, it's just very much in the middle right now. The whiplash is wild, though, RJ, let me tell you. Oh, man, it's it's really brutal. So we did talk about players. Uh, Zdorov was brought up, RJ, right? Like big physical defenseman, somebody who will definitely stand up for his teammates, kind of can be an enforcer. I would say, though, if we're making a move, I brought up the idea of, of bringing in Chris Tanev instead, somebody who could help kind of dictate pace and play in their own zone. I think that is something the Kraken have struggled with. You mentioned the first goal uh, that Zach Hyman scored. That doesn't happen if Tanev's on the ice there, right? Like he's not going to let that kind of thing happen. And everybody, uh, they're on board with the idea of having both Tanev brothers together on this team, RJ. Let me tell you. I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Wow. Everybody is. Um, Ran, what is going on in the locker room? They just haven't clicked. Do you think, I mean, RJ, what is your opinion on that? And then do you think if that's just because we've seen so many different line combinations so far this year? I think that could certainly be an answer. I mean, they just don't have the same kind of line consistency they had last year, and it's not really anyone's fault. You know, it's injuries, it's things like that, that you kind of have to move stuff around. Uh, but I think that could be a factor. I mean, what's the longest stretch they've really had any of these lines together all season? Like, and, and the reason that some of the lines like the, the Gord Tolvin and Bjorkstrand line last game are working so well, they had lots of games together last season. That's the line that had time last season to build that chemistry up. So I think that could be a factor. I, I'm kind of with you as far as the leadership thing, though. I, I don't think there's one guy to really stand up and be like, hey, guys, enough's enough. Let's get going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, you know, it, it's it's good when when times are good. When last season, you know, when they're on these roles and they're, generally playing well and and it feels like bounces and luck and things are going well for them that works but in tougher times i don't know it it, it might not be enough yeah i i'm i'm with you there um sean is it fair to finally really ask if this team is just not good or just mid um just mid i think you can ask that question and maybe have that conversation just not good i don't think we're there yet but I mean, look at these last two games. Like, I, they average out to mid, I suppose. But, yeah. like, but that's not usually how this works. Right. No, it, yes. A one-in-one, one, not all one-in-one, one, you know, two-game performances are created the same. This is pretty much as far to the two extremes as you could go as a team. And I, I just have no idea what to make of that. 
and I guess if the season had started a little bit differently, RJ, maybe I wouldn't be as leaning, you know, more attention and focus on this loss than the win. But given that so many of the things that cost them in this game were things that they struggled with at the beginning of the season and it has in common with all of their losses this year and even some of their wins. Uh, the fact that, you know, look, you give up way too many uh, bad transitions going back the other way, whether it's a breakaway or an odd man rush or whatever it is, this team just can't really seem to stop momentum for other teams as they go through the neutral zone. Uh, the fact that the PK allows another power play goal tonight, and it was an ugly one too. Like it was a really bad one to, to allow the way that they allowed it. You know, you have elements like that. You have another second period where you have less than five shots on goal. Like, that's not a high bar to clear, and yet they've really struggled to do so this year. And we are starting to get to the point, RJ, where it's, you know, this isn't like a, a one or two off occurrence. This isn't coincidence anymore. It's starting to become a pattern. And that's what's, I think, really hard for me to get over. And what I was hoping they were getting over with that 60-minute performance I just it's starting to feel like those 60 minute performances like we had last game are the outlier and this is the reality. Yeah, and I did ask myself too, like how much of that is just it's the Oilers and the Kraken matchup really poorly against them. And yeah. and Schwartz and Dunn were both asked, like, what is it about this Oilers team that just gives you so much trouble? And and I thought Vince Dunn's answer was interesting because he just he's like, Well, and he just he paused for a long time, I guess kind of just trying to figure it out. And, and I don't think he really, you know, had a solid answer other than like, you know, they're a good skilled team. But he said it's, it's confusing because we, we know we can play with any team in the league. Like, and that's mm -hmm. true. Like the Kraken have gone out there against the best of the best in the NHL and, and been fine. Um, but just something about this team, I, I don't, I don't know. They, they don't, I don't think even think they know. Yeah, I, it's, we're really left scratching and I'm not normally this pessimistic. I'm kind of surprised I've even gotten this far. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised myself. Um, American Kraken got lucky last season. They just don't have a dominant offensive player they could rely on. I mean, right now, RJ, just to bring things back around to a positive, Jaden Schwartz, what a dude right now, the way he's playing. And somebody brought it up earlier. Jake brought it up earlier. It's so nice to see him play the way he wants to be playing. Right. I mean, nine game point streak for him now and going to the areas of the ice that he likes to go to and benefit from. Right. That power play goal right there in front of the net, being in that spot, presenting the skate so that it's there and available. You know, uh, you know, that's that's James Schwartz's game. But just even at even strength, really throughout the whole game, he's playing the way he wants to play. He's been really impressive. But one player can't do everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, speaking of one player, this part of this one from Ayers. How's it going, ECH and chat? Not the best way to start a B-Day. Rough. Happy birthday, though. <laughs> but did feel pretty good seeing Dunn brawl on Holloway. Hopefully win the, we win the next one. Um, you know, we, we did touch on that a little bit, RJ, but I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about the crowd at Climate Pledge Arena because you could hear it loud and clear over the broadcast. I mean, people sounded like they stayed. And it sounded like they were really going. I mean, there was some for some of those good chances the Kraken had in the third period. The crowd was as loud as you could ever hear over the broadcast. Yeah, they were absolutely into it in the third period. It was good to hear because earlier in the game, I mean, you know, nothing like that first period to try and get the crowd out of a game. You know, that'll do it for sure. But no, I mean, the fans, I mean, certainly the ones that stuck around, I will say in the third period, it was, it was certainly lighter 
in the first two periods. A lot of people, I think, hit the exits in the second intermission. But the ones that stayed, I mean, they were just every bit as loud as the sellout crowd, you know, in a normal uh, circumstance. So credit to them for staying in it. The Dunn fight, I mean, they absolutely loved it. I think, too, if you're in the building and you're, I don't know how much the broadcast really showed of it or how good of a look you got. But Vince Dunn, as soon as he's pulled off of that pile with Holloway, he is just yelling at him the whole way off to the penalty box. I mean, he was angry uh, in that one. I think that got the crowd fired up even more. Even in the penalty box, he was yelling at Holloway. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's the kind of thing that gets the crowd into it. And yeah, the fans who stayed, uh, they were absolutely, you know, they, they brought this out. Of course they are. They're Kraken fans. Uh, Michigan <laughs> Kraken, rough night on a cr my Kraken live reaction stream. Yeah, this I can't imagine doing a one of our Patreon live commentaries for this one, RJ. That would that would be that would be tough for sure. Well, we we have one coming up against the Oilers in like four days. So true. the rematch. Have to imagine it. Yeah, rematch everybody. Hey, you know, Kraken. I think they they're not going to do this two games in a row against the Oilers. All right, that I feel okay. I feel you know confident saying. Um, Maddie, why do we always break other teams' losing streaks? Uh, is it is it us playing down to teams' levels, RJ, or is it just that we've been unfortunate both with Calgary and now Edmonton of right when the media fervor around this team not being good reaches critical mass, we just happen to be the next team on the schedule? I think you could maybe argue that's the case for Edmonton tonight. I don't think you can when it's like Calgary. Last game, that's absolutely, that one's playing down to your opponent. Um, but I, I do think there is an element of that in both games. This one's tough because, I mean, you've got to think if the Oilers lose this one, the coach is getting fired, big changes are being made. They are a desperate, desperate hockey team. I mean, heck, if you listen to some rumors, all, you know, from earlier today, maybe the coach is getting fired anyway. Uh, you know, I watched Woodcroft after this game, by the way, like, you know, when the, when the final buzzer sounded and the game ended, just to kind of see his reaction. Because we've seen Dave Haxtell this season after the Kraken needed a big win, you know, kind of giving the fist bumps, you know, really excited. Just handshake to the other coaches right down the tunnel, like no emotions. So, I, you know, I don't know what's going on there for sure. But uh, still, you know, it was kind of a measured response from the Oilers, even in this win. Yeah, that definitely sounds like it there. Um, Hyman, this is from Coop. Hyman, 13 points in seven games versus us. Truly incredible, like statistically improbable. Um, I mean, we've seen that over over larger sample sizes than seven games, RJ. But yeah, there is just something about that guy that just the Kraken can't figure out how to deal with. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think part of it is just that he's a really hardworking player who goes to those dirty areas of the ice. And when the Kraken aren't playing particularly well, that's the kind of player that can victimize them, unfortunately. Although if you do look at the top three scorers against the Kraken all time, it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then Zach Hyman. And, and it would be Nugent Hopkins fourth. If he got one more point tonight, I was keeping an eye on that. He would have moved up to, to fourth by himself, and it would have been top four all Oilers. Wow. But yeah, everybody, this team. this team, I mean, you know, there we go. Uh, uh, if the Kraken are going to continue playing like this, I'd rather send Shane and Winterton back to Coachella Valley where they'll get the minutes they need. What do you think about them? Because right now, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier in chat, RJ, the idea of keeping young guys up, right? If the Kraken need a spark, you know, young, hungry players are a way of having that spark. And I thought Winterton and Shane, they, they played really solid again tonight. Yeah, in my mind, they certainly weren't the problem. I, I think they played pretty well, and I think they were rewarded with a little bit extra ice time. I know Winterton got about 10 and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, I was particularly impressed by his game. Again, came out here just like the Colorado game and just no fear to his game. 
you know, was getting involved in battles and, and just didn't shy away from anything. I think if anything, the Kraken need more of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, if it, if it starts to get ugly, of course, you know, you don't want young guys around that kind of situation. But as we've just discussed, the last game was like the opposite of this one. And that's mm-hmm. a game you absolutely want the young guys there for. So, you know, I, I think it's still got a ways to go before you start making those changes. But, you know, eventually Tanev will come back. Eventually Eberle will come back and, you know, you make those decisions when you come to them. Definitely. Um, from Viren, big yikes to McCann, Beneers, Yamamoto. Less than 2% 5v5 expected goals for percentage on both Money Puck and NST in, in seven, almost eight minutes, RJ. And I'm looking at it. Money Puck has them on ice expected goals for 0.01, expected goals against 0.526. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Dave Haxtell kind of pulled out the line blender in the third period in this one. That line was just not working. Uh, and, you know, it's one game that, that a Beneers line has not driven possession, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they were they were pretty darn bad in this one. I can't I can't really defend it. Do you think that we see a, a lineup shakeup before the next game? Another one? You know, we might, but I if it's me, I wouldn't. Um, because this lineup, did well against Colorado just you know two days ago. Might as well give him another shot. Hope that maybe it's just an Oilers thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Maddie, why aren't we able to get shots on net this season? So I mentioned it earlier, RJ. I mean, the second period has been a struggle all year long for them, but it is kind of weird. Like, just just throw it on net. And, and there's still so many times, RJ. I mean, we saw it again. Beneers on a two-on-one. And he makes the pass instead of just taking a shot. And I know it would have been a weird, awkward kind of angle, probably backhander for him. But it's still like the guy's already on his belly. You're not going to get that pass over to McCann. Just just throw it on net. Yeah, I mean, you are facing a goalie with an 850 something save percentage. I think when that's the case, you should try and throw as many pucks at him as you can. I do think the problems are deeper than that tonight, though, just because of how little they were able to get going offensively to even generate opportunities to have shots. And and, and I get it. You don't want to just throw a bunch of low-quality pucks and and let a goalie who's struggling kind of get a feel for the puck and feel for the game. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when I look at the the scoreboard, I see nine shots on goal through two periods. The problems just seem deeper to me there. You know, when you're on pace for an all-time low shots on goal total, I think it's got to be both. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's a very fair answer. Um, give Magna a chance. Couldn't do any worse. Do you, I mean, that's, that is an option too, RJ, right? Like you could leave lines and D pairs mostly unchanged, but maybe just swap in one person, right? Send a message uh, to, to the group. Do you think we could see something like that? I mean, I think maybe we should, but I'm not, I'm never going to bet on Megna being put into this lineup if everybody's healthy. I know you might be able to have the cover a little bit of saying maybe Dumoulin's a bit banged up after that boarding today. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I would kind of use as cover and just be like, hey, don't comment on it. Right. But just say, you know, Magna's in and, you know, and that's what you do. I thought they were going to do that after the Rangers game because he got banged up in that one, too. And, yep. and you know, it was rough, but they didn't. So I, I guess there probably isn't much of a chance. But I, I think it's something, you know, at some point we are deep enough into the season where you can say like, OK, maybe stuff like that should happen. Right. Like there's there is that opening window where it's like, look, it's too soon. They shouldn't do this. Right. I feel like we're kind of getting out of that. I mean, this is what game 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah, 15. 
Yeah. And so on the you, other hand, though, it's tough because do you? I, I feel bad for Megna in this situation because do you want to kind of throw him to the wolves against a really good abs team? Cold. It's just tough coming in cold. You just did that with Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton. It's different though, as a forward, as a fourth line forward versus a defenseman, versus a third pairing defense. I yeah, I, I think so. I, but you and I both agree that if he was on any other team in this league that wasn't as like deep on the blue line, he'd be playing. Like he, I think oh, yeah, he's, he's good, good enough. enough. This isn't like it's you know more of a scrub type guy. Like Megna's a legit NHL defender. No, we agree he's good enough. I mean, maybe it's that I'm just thinking too much back to the San Jose game last year where he comes in cold after not having played for a while and like nobody looked the best, but he certainly didn't look the best. And it was kind of clear mm-hmm. that all that time without an actual game had kind of hurt him. So that's what I'm worried about. Not, not his fault at all, but it's just tough coming in when you haven't played in so long. Well, you, I, what can I say? You backed up your argument with an example. <laughs> um, B, honestly, I want Hack to keep Shane up at this point, but only if he gets decent minutes like tonight. If he's only on the ice for five minutes a night, then he should just go back to Coachella Valley for top line minutes. I talked about it earlier, RJ. I do think Shane is kind of playing well enough that, you know, even once Belmar is healthy, the Kraken might have a, a more difficult situation and decision to make there. It depends how desperate they are, right? I do think Shane is probably the better option in that spot right now, at least with how he's playing. But is that really worth him only getting eight minutes a night? Because that's what this role is. It's eight minutes a night, plus maybe some power play time. And I still think over a long-term kind of thing, you, you can't be giving him that role. He needs more minutes than that right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, but I, I yeah. I mean, given I the way he's playing, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Daniel, have we won a Saturday game yet? And um, Vahiran, no. <laughs> and there's been a lot of Saturday games. Yeah. Does that stop, though? That's got to stop at some point. The NHL, would you keep doing that? Probably. There's I'm more hoping. on the way. I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Habak, I'm crying. RJ is calling Hyman mid. <laughs> and then Stratic saying RJ didn't call Hyman mid. He said losing to a player like him in front of the net is is indicative of lack of effort. Is indicative of lack of effort as Hyman is an effort player. Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, let's see. Maddie is Tanev not a spark player in the locker room? I would say, and you know, again, you're around the locker room more than I am. But Tanev strikes me as the kind of guy that's more of that like on ice spark plug type guy rather than like a vocal guy in the locker room. Yeah, I would agree with that. He, he's the kind of guy who's going to bring a lot of emotion on the ice. And look, we all see it when he plays, um, but he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's, you know, they're yelling, popping up the guys at the locker room in intermission. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one from Coop. Every win feels like a Herculean effort. That's not what a good team feels like. It requires extraordinary grit, no quit attitude and effort just to overcome the lapses and mistakes. I mean, that's, I guess, to go back to your point that you kind of came in with, RJ, was that's what made that Avs game feel kind of so special was it felt like the first game where it wasn't that way. It wasn't like the Kraken really had to outwork somebody. It was just like it kind of just came to them. Yeah, based on just the way that they were playing. I mean, mm-hmm. it took a lot of effort as, you know, as any winning. Every game does. does. Yeah. Every game does, yes. But it just felt like they were kind of cruising, like they were just playing their game and it was just part of the system. It felt that way a lot of last year in the playoffs against Colorado, where just this is how this team plays and they just come at you and come at you and come at you in waves. And that's kind of how it should feel the way this team is built. 
other teams, you know, they have some plays where it feels like, wow, that came easy because that guy was super skilled and just made this kind of one-off play that a star player could make. The Kraken don't have that. And so when it feels easy for them, it's because everybody's contributing and they're playing really well with their system. And you're right. We're not seeing that as much this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergio's in, in favor of a, of a coaching change. Um, Byron, speaking of matchups, I'd like to know how on earth Edzo reached the conclusion that the Kraken match up well against Vegas. So yeah, during, during the broadcast and look, this is a tough broadcast. Okay. Talked about it earlier, right? Like this would be a tough game to call, but yes, at one point, uh, Edzo was talking about RJ, you know, the Kraken kind of struggle again. He was basically talking about how they struggle against bad teams, but they seem to show up for the good teams. Right. And so he was, he was trying to say that without just saying that because he can't. Um, and yes, he did say that the Kraken match up well against teams like Vegas. And last I check, I mean, what, we still only have like one or two wins against them all time. Yeah, I, I would disagree with that point. Colorado will absolutely give you that's, that's yep. a good team they match up well against, but I don't know about Vegas yet. Yeah. Then again, who uh, does match up well against Vegas? Nobody. Um, the Anaheim Ducks, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hunter bringing up uh, the same point Pablo had earlier: of the team is just mid, needs a superstar to become legit. I, look, you're getting you're getting superstar level production from some of these guys, right? Like we talk about the 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 tear that Jaden Schwartz is on right now. You look at Jared McCann, and he's still scoring at a very high rate. Um, Matty Beniers for, for all of his struggles has been playing well, um, with, as far as a two way game goes, I don't know. Does it, it doesn't feel so much anymore, RJ, like it did the first week or two of the season where this is just like a, a finishing problem. And if we just could score one extra goal a night, we'd be there. Right. Or right. do you think it is? Yeah, no, I think cause the goal scoring kind of is there in, in spurts. And I don't think, look, after the first couple of games, we know like, okay, this isn't sustainable. They're going to score more than one goal a game going forward. Um, but yeah, this problems just seem a little bit more, I guess, complete now. We're starting to see times where it's an effort problem. I pointed about that against Calgary, right? Where I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not concerned because this is an effort problem. This team doesn't have effort problem. This is a one-off. But tonight, I don't know, I kind of saw more effort problems. And, and so now it's making me question these things. It might, it might be a little bit of a problem, yeah. Um, Sergio, we have Bilesma who can change something to improve results. So this is something that I was going to talk about on the deep dive, RJ, being there in Coachella Valley, being able to talk with him, watch him coach. And one of the big takeaways from watching him coach that game in Coachella Valley was he didn't speak to his players once the entire time he was on the bench. He had his assistants do it. He just watched the play. And so I agree with you, Sergio. Like, Bausma is somebody who can do that kind of stuff. But I really do feel like he's really comfortable and happy in the situation he's in right now where he is developing guys to, you know, go on to, to make their dreams come true and play in the NHL level. I don't know that he would address maybe like the intensity concerns and stuff that we maybe have with the team right now. And I promise I'm going to go way more into depth on all that stuff on the deep dive on the podcast. So I'm just going to save it for there. Yep. All right. Um yeah, Zoe, the Oilers fan near us thought Woodcroft was getting the boot no matter what. I mean, we'll there were those rumors floating around Twitter today. We will find out. Um, Sergio, when do we play against San Jose? It'll be another opportunity to see how bad we are. Oh, no. <laughs> it's come to this, RJ. Well, you'll be in the building for it, Dylan. Yeah. Isn't this the last year of the original three-year season ticket holder commitment? How important is a good home record this season with that in mind from Striatic? 
It sure is. It is the last year of the three-year season ticket holder commitment, and I think that is something that's present in the minds of a lot of people working for the team. Uh, and yeah, it's it's going to be important having home wins. And I, I, I was pointing this out kind of mid-game when it was 4 nothing, and I figured, okay, the Kraken probably aren't going to come back at this point. But looking at the standings, through 15 games, the Kraken have two wins here in this building. And a lot of that is due to you know a lot of road games. And yeah, they mm-hmm. played a lot more games They're on the road versus here. But still, when you have two wins in this building after 15 games, I think it does contribute to some fan sentiment. I mean, you look at the booing after the first period here. I, I think the home fans, especially you know the ones who pay a lot of money for season tickets, are kind of restless right now, maybe even more so than the, the median fan. Yeah, I, I would say so. And that was another question I had. Was this a red line or a blue line package game? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know offhand. Maybe so, chat can help us with that. I don't yeah, know. If, if anybody in chat knows, feel free to throw that in there. And also, I'll use this as an opportunity for last call there as well. Um, Viren, we're one and eight all time against Vegas. So yeah, that's not generally what I'd call a good matchup for us. <laughs> unless you Sorry, really, no. unless you really love an underdog story, <laughs> you can set <laughs> it up with that. Um, Zoe saying his blue line game. So that's. Now that's the package that has been struggling this year, or, the, or that struggled last year. last year. Anyway, chat, can you please we help us keep this. it straight? Yeah, yes, we should know this more. Uh, yeah, right, it's a blue line. That's uh, good. That's, yes, um, Vancouver next week should be interesting. Oh my gosh, RJ. I mean, I talked about this earlier. One option for the Kraken is just to go on a, a massive PDO bender, RJ, like Vancouver. That'd solve all these problems, right? I should I should have asked Haxtell why he hasn't considered doing that, or if he has considered doing that. Hey, coach, if you thought about just going on a massive PDO bender, you're like, maybe the team could use that right now. <laughs> hey, coach, have you guys I'm, just considered somebody... winning? <laughs> oh, man, if somebody were to ask that, that'd be hilarious. And I feel like in the right circumstances, With the Hacks right coach in the right have... circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could work. Now you is not that time. really delicate about it. Yeah. Now is not the time. Now is definitely not the time. Maddie, I have tickets to the Vancouver game. I'm pretty nervous. Uh, hey, look on, on the flip side, right? Kraken play well against the good teams, teams at the top of the standings, Kraken have been playing really well against. So there is that um, to look forward to potentially there. Um, good night, Pablo. Uh, be tiny light in the darkness tonight. Joey was good despite the pass to dry side a lull. He covered for his own mistakes and did well. Yeah, Joey did make a, a ton of great saves. I mean, Oilers weren't able to score once he came into the game, RJ. Um, that is, you know, it's it's still good to know that both guys still look sharp. I know Grubauer allowed the four goals in this one, but that's not all on him. No, it's not. I mean, it's like we saw the goals against. Yeah, it's definitely not all on him. And I'm glad someone brought up Joey because, I mean, he, he was solid. He did everything he could ask him to do. He stopped every shot that came his way, uh, even though there were none in the third, which sounds kind of crazy. But still, he, he did well. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's some, a positive out of this game you could take away. Maybe the biggest positive. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, on yeah, the ice just, anyway. Yeah, despite him basically just passing it straight to dry saddle there. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a rough one. Um, Maddie, RJ, are you going to the Vancouver game? Uh, that... I I am not. That's one of your games. Though. Yeah, yes, that is one of my games. That's what I was just going to say. Oh, are we there? I, November's flying by. Games. You're getting of course, lucky baby. Jose, I know, I know, <laughs> lucky baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Zoe, the game against Edmonton on Wednesday is going to be interesting. Yes, and if you are a Patreon member, 
you can watch that game alongside us as that is our uh november uh month of november live game commentary over on patreon if you're a terror of the deep tier patron over there you get to watch the game with us we always have a blast watching those games even if the results aren't always great we always have a good time during them uh so i'm really looking forward to being able to do that with everybody for, for just the second time this season i want you know i know i really miss it i want to do more um Edward, uh, Dylan and RJ always putting in the work. So give the stream a like, appreciate it there, Edward. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's basically it here. It looks like um, from everybody. Can I add one more thing it, before we finish? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I thought the Kraken did a really great job for uh, Military Appreciation Night, uh, for the theme night. And I want to give a shout out to, you know, all the veterans, all the active duty military mm -hmm. who's watching this. Uh, I know we have a lot of them in the community. So just want to say thank you for your service. Appreciate that and appreciate the support. Um, I, I thought there were some really cool moments with that tonight. I mean, out for the anthem, I don't know if the broadcast showed it, but uh, yep. it was incredible. A hundred year old World War II veteran, Purple Heart recipient. I mean, just incredible to see somebody like that actually in real life in the flesh. Uh, so I, I just thought that was really cool. Wanted to point that out. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, hey, I kicked off the stream that way. It makes sense to you know bookend it on the other end with you. Um, oh, try it. Here you go, RJ. Before before that, before I get to flat stick, RJ, get ready to trade for Zach Hyman or Hyman alike on the armchair GM stream. Hey, you know what? If that's what you guys want to do, we'll make that deal happen. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go add some heart, add some grit, and uh, add some sneaky scoring ability. Yeah, well, and take away one of your arch nemesis apparently <laughs> in, yep. in, in one of those four Oilers. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us for this one. Thanks, everybody, for hanging around. And, of course, big, big, big thanks to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring this. Uh, and, you know, always, everybody, let us know if you do head over to that South Lake Union location, get your dollar off a beer after the game, or if you, you pre-gamed over at Flatstick Pub with some 50% off game special. I mean, I would love to hear how that went, what it's like. You know, if anybody can give me a read on the greens before mm -hmm. I get up there, that would be He'll appreciative. Need He'll need it, I, yeah. I would definitely need them. I wouldn't know what to do with that information really anyway. Uh, but uh, it would, it would, it couldn't hurt. That's for sure. Certainly not with my game and how bad it is. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this one. We'll see you all next time.